feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. We're just a couple of comics who live in Tucson who love sports, and this is what we do. We just sit around, talk about some sports figures, and today we have possibly the greatest white man that ever played for the Lakers. It's very true. Except Fletch. Oh, damn. <laughs> I forgot about Fletch. Holy jeez. <laughs> now, now we're starting to get into some territories some references uh, some references we're talking about kurt rambis um when you look at or when you think of the showtime lakers nobody ever thinks of kurt and he was think about him in my dreams ooh, he was the rodman of that team where yeah. he was just the cleanup that power forward that just did all the dirt yeah it was the dirty work it was like you know Porta John after a metal show. Oh man, dirty was, work for those Lakers. He was he the, kept them all squeaky clean, Chris. That's what I mean. He was the dishwasher, and everybody else was like the waiter and the front house man. I don't know what I'm referencing. The right valet now. The, <laughs> does stuff for that parking thing on Seinfeld. That's right. All right. So Kurt Rambis, Daryl Kurt Rambis, born February 25th, 1958, in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, young boy, though he's a California guy. He's yeah, always been they a California guy. Moved to California when he was like four or five. Um, born into an all Greek family, mm-hmm. which Opa. if you know anything about the Greeks, they don't like to intermingle. No. <laughs> I mean, I, my entire knowledge of their culture is based on one film made about twenty years ago, and the sequel. And that's right, they did make a sequel. <laughs> God damn, you're right. That uh, movie was one of the biggest movies of all time. <laughs> oh, so moves to um, California and grows up as, because he is like what we say with a lot of these guys, he is just taller than everybody he's else. He's a Randy Johnson. He's a Randy Johnson. He's a... But he's a fucking nerd. Sorry, he's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only way to like, I, no. I don't mean it to be mean, but no, like... No, he is. Uh, he has his first pair of glasses in third grade. He's taller. His height was all in his legs, so he had his pants up to his chest, so he's just like he white Urkel. Just looked, especially for the era, looks so nerdy. And all I can think of is Austin Powers. Nerd alert! Yes, seriously. But I imagine sports was something that he found that like he was so much better at that he was just like, I'm not a nerd. I'm really good at sports. I'm tall. Yeah, I'm taller than you. Screw these graduated cylinders. I'm going to dunk on you. That's right. His older brother, Randy, though, which added kind of insult to injury, was a star quarterback on the football team. Oh, yeah. Um, He also played baseball and pitched on the baseball team. And Kurt would always hate when people would say, oh, you're Randy's brother. Um, But when he took his uh, brother's Randy spot on the basketball team, um, he said, I would have made the team if you weren't such a big geek. <laughs> but you know what? This is where karma sports justice comes in. Randy ended up pitching in the minors for the Cleveland Indians during the Rachel Phelps era. Well, not the Rachel Phelps era, but I mean for the Indians. Yeah. He tore his rotator cuff, and then it ended up cleaning pools for the school system in Cupertino. Well, that's that's the them's the breaks that some you would, don't... Some, some have said he was a good drummer in a band called the Lone Rangers. Ooh, I love that. How are you going to pluralize the Lone Rangers? What's that? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what you're saying. All right. Well, there's three of you. 
Anyway, but he, he's a very good high school player there at Cupertino High yes. School. He's a basketball player and uh, goes to Santa Clara there. Yeah, he goes to Santa Clara um, University right there in California and really becomes one of their best basketball players of all time. Oh, yeah. No, uh, he was the if not their best. conference freshman of the year uh, during his first year there. Um, he's the all-time leading scorer and second in rebounder. Second in rebounding. Um, so. He was a conference player of the year as a senior there in 1980. Yep. And in uh, 2008, his number 34 was retired. Yeah, so. for, for uh, Santa Clara University. So he's definitely big in certain circles. You know what I'm <laughs> big saying? in circles. Uh, two-time uh, all-conference and his final year, he averaged almost 20 and 10. Yeah. So he's like white Tim Duncan without the athleticism. Without the... But he's grinding. He's grinding. He's a good college player. He is a good college player. And then you see him get drafted by the Knicks in, in 1980. In 1980. But whatever happened, I was trying to kind of look at what happened with this. Okay. He just kind of didn't make the team. So, a so, couple things. Number one, this is this is a spider web for you. Okay. This 1980 draft, the Celtics have the first pick, but they trade out with the Warriors who picked Joe Barry Carroll. Okay. They trade down to number three. Not only do they get Robert Parrish, they get at number three Kevin McHale. Oh, who nice. We'll bring up later. Nice. Yeah. Um, but when he goes to the Knicks, he's basically waved twice. Yeah. He can't. Well, he does. He has no shot with the team. They just don't. And when you look at him, you. You're not sell. I mean, obviously, you're not selling jeans like they said in Moneyball. But you're just like this guy plays. Ba- I get that he's tall, but he plays basketball. Yes, he doesn't have the look. Um, I feel like maybe the Knicks want that as like the like, dude, like in Moneyball, where they're just like, ah, his girlfriend's ugly. You know what I mean? Where oh, it's yeah. like that has nothing to do with anything. So he gets waved by the Knicks. He ends up going to Greece because he's uh, from uh, Greek descent and playing for. Um, AEK Athens and becomes a Greek citizen and they actually go on and win the Greek league the year that he's there. And he changes his name to Kyriakos Rambidis because yep. you know what? That's good. That's that's showing the people there you care. Well, it's a very Greek thing or it's a very Greek name, but I feel like he's just like, they're not going to understand that in America. I'm still going to go by <laughs> Kurt Rambis. So he re-signs in 81 because he's cut twice by the neck. Yeah, and cut. they just don't want him. No. And then signs with the Lakers. Um, who do want him? Who do? Well, they're very interesting. Um, Jerry West, who was uh, one of their executives, he's the NBA logo guy. So when you yep. think of the 60s and an iconic player, one of the most iconic NBA players ever, he said, who invited the geek with glasses to camp? Yep. Um, his future wife, Linda, who was working, I think, in PR for like uh, volleyball and basketball for the Forum at the time, who we later married, said she heard about him before she even met him because people were making fun of him. Yes. Which is good for you. That, that's some dick sling and confidence, my man, to come back from that. So he signs up with the Lakers and essentially starts just stacking world championships. Like, it's such a crazy thing to think that. The piece that will like kind of puts this together is this hard nose um, power forward that that gets this Showtime Lakers. And what he said was when he came in and why Pat Riley like really really liked him. He was just like 
you know how to start fast breaks and you know how to get a defensive rebound and literally look up and be ready for it. And he was just like, yeah, that was my only mission. But that's the kind of player Pat Riley was. Exactly. And yes. He'll give you five and five and throw elbows in the paint and start your fast break. That's really what he another, did. Another thing that, because I, I got into some just like him talking about a bunch of stuff and he was just like i'm not gonna take it personal when somebody hits me with an elbow i'm hitting guys with elbows in there i'm not doing it on purpose i'm just saying this is the game and then they show a bunch of clips at right after he says that of him just swinging elbows it's no, not even like it's yeah. the, you're just like oh no no you guys were like really trying to decapitate each other so one thing was though there was a good kareem story out of this. I don't know if you had ended up reading it, but when he went to Lakers camp, which was like six weeks, you know, son is a free agent. He's thinking, I'm not going to be here. I, like I have, I have a beach house in Greece. Like I can, I can just go back. Yeah. And so he, he didn't try to make any friends while he was there. He's just like, Oh, let's see if I can make the team. So I guess they were out and about eating, uh, in Utah, and Kareem it's, it basically said, Hey, Kurt, say something. And he goes, What? And Kareem said, Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> so good. Then he got on an airplane, which Kareem later flew. Um, but in 81, 82, so he's buried on the depth chart, though. Oh, yeah, but in the first. Mitch yeah. Kupchak basically has his knee explode, and the two guys who were set to replace him don't really play up to par. No, so and, he, and he does. They put him in 81, 82, and he does basically what we just talked about. Giving you five and five and some elbows. Yes, and that's like, like I said, he was very much what you look at, like what Rodman, what Pat Riley was, like that type of player where he's just like, oh yeah, he does all the dirt, he does all the fighting. If there's gonna be, yeah. you know what I mean? He's almost like your enforcer in hockey. And this was the era of NBA white guy fights. Oh my god! Oh man! I don't even know if I told you this. Uh, like for Christmas, I got a couple of packs of like '88 tops whatever nice. whatever um i open them up and i'm like going through it and you just don't realize how many crusty white guys were in the nba I know. it's crazy you're oh, just like god these mustaches need to be tamed that man has a larger beer gut than i do yes exactly like, it's cr- so many crusty that white is guys. a testicle poking out of a man's shorts <laughs> the onion is dropped and they put it on a fleer all right Back in my day, we used to tie an onion to our belt. That wasn't style back in time. Now, nickels used to have bees on them. You'd say, give me five bees for a quarter. That was it. That was it. So he plays in 64 games that year. They go to the playoffs because it is showtime. It is is the... Go listen to our Kareem episode for the showtime aspect of it. Um, They beat Phoenix and San Antonio, and they go to the finals. Kirk's playing in the front court, and he's taking it to a man we did an episode on before. I was going to say, so he's taking it to the 76ers and a West and a fucking undersized Wes Unseld. You know what I mean? Or uh, whatever. Yeah. Chocolate Thunder. Chocolate Thunder. He's laying it. He, he, oh, yeah. God, this was the 76er team. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, not oh, the Bullets. Man. No, That's not the 76ers. Bullets. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he, he, he told, he told Chocolate the- Thunder. I'm taking Juicy Lucy because, out to the Forum Club after the game. Yes, because and this is when the uh, Lakers really just like show that you're just like, oh yeah, they were the best team in that. Yeah, I mean in that era. So he averages almost <laughs> eight points a game and six point five rebounds. It's so him. It's so it's such a Kurt Rambis. But they win. They he's a champion. Yes. He's a champion his first year. Well, to to <clears throat> damn. I'm now I'm coughing. <clears throat> to point this out, he literally the year before was in Greece, not thinking he was going to be an NBA player, and then now he's a 
literal NBA champion on a dynasty. When you you would think he'd have a better chance of replacing John Travolta in Greece. Yes, than liter- not having to that's go back perfect, there. Like yes. just throwing that out there. Uh, 82, 83, he starts 77 games. So he is now like in the Showtime team as that fifth guy. Uh, they blow through the playoffs again. He's 7.5 points a game, 6.8 rebounds. This is kind of like when he plays the most outside of one year we'll talk about later. Yep. Um, they breeze by Portland and San Antonio, but Moses Malone joins the Sixers. We had and talked about yep. that in our And this is when thunder. the 76ers come back and they win. Which and, and I just have to say this is why everybody says NBA basketball in this era was so good is because there was like three or four teams that were making it. And it was like they would lose, and then next year they would come back and beat them. And then it was just all of these rivalries in these giant markets that was like... Blood feuds. Yes. Literal, yes. Um, so... 83? 83-84. Um, does a fantastic job. They go to the finals, and in game four, Kevin McHale comes what? back and absolutely lights him. I mean, if you did this today, they would probably suspend you for multiple seasons. I I agree with that. They would... I imagine just the way that <laughs> he the... He tried to, like... Decapitate Yeah, him. like, hurt, I mean, it's hurt him. It's wild, yes. <laughs> so, like, and it's very iconic for the 80s when they talk about how rough it is because Rambis is going on, like, a half breakaway, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And Mikhail comes in, and they they say clothesline. That's a nice way of saying it. Oh, I mean, this was the era of just short shorts, hairy Ooh. legs, and clotheslines and every game. Kurt got up and was like immediately like, let's go. Yep. Let's go. But <laughs> Ding, ding. Th- th- just to point it out the era of what it was, this wasn't a regular season game that two teams hated each other. This yeah. was in the finals game. Like, you know what I mean? It- it's... Yeah, I, I mean, like, and they end up losing that series in seven to Boston, and I think that's like nine or ten in a row that they've lost. And if you want to go back and listen to that, we have an Elgin Baylor episode, the early Kareem oh, yeah. ones. So yeah, yeah if you want to uh, hear about the Lakers, basically just having an ultimate nemesis. Mm-hmm. But uh, in '85, they end up finally overcoming the uh, Boston Garden and the Celtics. Um, beating him in six, so he wins another title. So two titles, and he's becoming quite the popular player in Los Angeles. On although they're a glamour franchise, you always want to root for the underdog well, on them. Th- there's definitely people that love the showtimeness of it, but he starts to become almost like a cult figure. And the I forget what the announcer's name was, Chick Hearn, yeah, because yes. he was the one from Fletch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, he nicknames him Superman, but he was but because he's dressed as Clark Kent. Yeah, so that that's. I'm just saying to to the disrespect, but the jovialness of it, yeah. where he's just like, dude, you're Superman, but you know, you're Clark Kent with your glasses. But I mean, they've the, he played up to it. It's like he took yes. it that way, yes. not like where it could have been negative, and it was never meant intended to be that way. He'd so, have kids dressing up in Urkel well, glasses. He had a Superman fan club, which is literally what his thing was called, and they were called the Rambus Youth. I don't know if you can call groups youth anymore after a certain time, but they went with it, Chris. It, it was that era, sir. It they was were, men of were, their time. Men of their time. Um, 85-86, career high in field goal percentage, almost 60%. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the year. They beat the Pistons, right? No, 85-86 is when Ralph oh. Sampson and Hakeem were healthy. Oh, and, and they lost in the Western Conference. Yeah, they yes. lost in the finals in five games. 86-87, uh, though, they Beat the Celtics in six in the finals. Yep. And 87-88, uh, they go back-to-back. Back. Unfortunately, this is the time where he's losing playing time to A.C. Green. And, and Pat Riley is kind of like, 
well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play you because yes. you're not gonna get any better, and this guy's better. Well, I was, I was gonna say his window and his like, literally what you're saying, his potential is like hit his ceiling, and his window is like this is as good as he's gonna get if we have somebody else coming in. Yeah, like he's gonna take younger and more athletic. He can score more points and rebound and, and do the same <laughs> things you do and not look like a nerd. No, and, and NBA is changing at this time, so his style is starting to kind of yeah. They're they're they're, they're calling hacks now. Yes, I mean like obvious ones. Um, he just really he he didn't like his exit though out of uh, L.A. Out of didn't, L.A. Yeah, didn't no care, care for, it. but he still won four titles. Yes, still won four titles. Well, still. that's it's you would never have guessed getting cut from the Knicks twice. Yeah. Going and playing and this isn't playing in Europe now. Like this is no. him going to Greece because he's Greek, not because it's a great opportunity. I mean, there were probably people in that league who were fishermen. Oh my God. Like, I mean, just like that was and that was their main source of income. Yes. Not, not basketball. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Um but he still got basketball left in him that uh, summer, July 28th, 1988. He uh, signs with the expansion Charlotte Hornets. Yep. And like most expansion teams, they need bodies. Mm-hmm. They need bodies. And, and and veterans. And veteran, Like, you know, show the younger guys coming along. What's what? 75 games, 75. St- He's a starter this year, Chris. Yes. Career high, uh, 29.8 minutes a game, 9.4 rebounds, and 11.1 points. Granted, the Hornets are awful. Yes. I mean, you know, this is pre- Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues, and Grandmama, but, you know, get on you, Kurt. Yes, they're an expansion team, and, and he does <laughs> do, I imagine, what they ask. They're just like, you're good enough. Yeah. Why you put on those glasses, Superman? Yep. Why don't you get in that phone booth? <laughs> That's uh, 89.90. Um, he starts with the Hornets, but uh, is eventually traded uh, that December um, to the Suns, yep. who were out, uh, I believe, Arm uh, for Armin Yellen, I believe, who... Yes, they were out uh, front court guy. They needed uh, help for Tom Chambers on those pre Barkley Suns teams. Oh front yeah, court. Barkley's over at the Seventy Sixers. In uh, in fact, Cotton Fitzsimmons, who was his coach um, when he was, he uh, was the Kansas City Kings head coach when Kirk first came into the league, though before okay. he took over Phoenix. And he said he looked terrible. You couldn't win with him on the court. But. Well, to- just to put it in his personality, Pat Riley said he just goes, other guys have sharp Adidas bags. Ramis yes. got this black satchel, like the kind that you would hold a bowling ball in, and it was like vinyl. He doesn't he doesn't have and this is a he doesn't have a he doesn't ever bring a, a garment bag, so like for a suit or a suitcase. That man that's, probably had three pairs of underwear. That's all he brings is just like literally one of those like old school, like just like a thing to hold a bowling ball. And he goes, and that's all he brings, even if it's a week. He didn't made no mention of a toothbrush. No, he doesn't have anything. It's he literally satchel. just Indiana has Jones that. wears one. Yes. God. But that's what Pat Riley said of, is that's the kind of guy he was, was on the Showtime Lakers. He was just like, dude, I'm just carrying a trash bag, you know? <laughs> but you know what? I think that says to other guys on the team, like a Magic or a Worthy, not necessarily Kareem, because he's been playing since like the 60s, mm-hmm. but it shows guys like Magic and Worthy and the type of all-stars that made Showtime like, hey, look at this guy. Yeah. 
He's showing up every day. He's giving it everything just to be here. Exactly. And he, and he's carrying around a satchel. Ex- yes. <laughs> like he's not flashy and his and his game reflected his personality, you Yeah. Know? Uh yeah, so he's he went to the Suns. He was did, logging 25 plus minutes yep. um uh during that period with the Suns. Um they beat Utah in 5 in the first round and the Lakers in 5 there. And uh unfortunately they lost to Portland um in the uh, Western Conference Finals that year in uh uh 1991 92 um or yeah in 89 yeah. 90 excuse me um he ends uh kind of ends his career the next two seasons with the suns then he goes to the kings again yeah then he goes back for well he goes back to the lakers to be a coach which mm-hmm. i found interesting yeah. and then they're just like yeah you can still play for he, he lasted a couple of years with the lakers yeah. just based on but this this is the end of the Lakers of the 80s, though. Yes. I mean, this is by 93, 94, 94, 95. I mean, showtime is gone. But then he, he goes into this coaching role, and he's assistant coach for the Lakers for like five years. Yeah. Um, I think becomes head coach for like The lockout 20 season, minutes. he finished the season yeah. uh, with them. Uh, got swept out, of the, swept out of the forum, one of my favorite sports memories. That was so nice. Um, and then uh, stays on as an assistant with Phil Jackson. Yeah. For bits and pieces of time, uh, wins a couple titles. Wins a couple of titles, yep. Uh, 2001 to 2004, 5 to 9. He's he's Lakers assistant coach. And then 2009 to 11, he actually becomes the Timberwolves head coach. That was the, I think 2009 was the year, or was it whichever one of those years, he comes in either right at the time or the year after they pass on Steph Curry. Yes. So it's... Those he's, years were not kind to the Timberwolves. And he's going to be forever remembered for that. That that era of, like, you, you pass on the best player in this, you know what yeah. I mean? So. I, you know who, you know the guy he replaced, though, was? No. Kevin McHale is head coach really? of the Timberwolves. Oh, which that's is, awesome. There's a spider web right there. God, I oh. love that. Uh, becomes Nick's head uh, assistant coach. And something that I, I remember somebody saying, they were just like, the guys that can play and then coach normally make the best assistant coaches, not the best head coaches. Yes. Because it's it's almost all focused in on play and that kind of shit. And the head coaches have so much other stuff that they have to deal with that they're just like you see the the best like um um Patrick Ewing. Like yep. you know what I mean? It's like these bigger guys that they become these assistant coaches and you're like, oh yeah, you really found your your niche right there. You can as, focus on basketball. You don't have yes. to deal with the press. You don't have to deal with any of the other nonsense. Just focus on the guys and like the game of basketball. Yes, the game of basketball. Yeah. But uh, so he was an assistant under uh, Derek Fisher, one of the guys he coached in Los Angeles. But as we know about the Knickerbockers in recent memory, it's not good. No, it's, uh, it's not good. Dude, they're actually doing okay this year. Well, this year, but I mean, I know. during this My era. God, it's been horrible. You pretty excited? I am excited. They actually picked up. They actually made a good trade, which I still can't even believe I'm saying that because their franchise is the worst. It's been 50 years, Chris. They're due. It's, they're the worst. They actually made a good trade with the Raptors, I believe. Um, <laughs> I got a hunch they're due. I got a hunch she's due. Um, he was uh, uh, hired uh, basically back by the Lakers again in yep. 2018. So he, him and his wife, who also still works for, for the Los for, Angeles yep. Lakers, I mean, that's kind of their team, their yeah. franchise. Like He'll always have some sort of role, it seems like, with the Lakers. If and, he, yeah, if he wants it. Yeah, and kudos to him for playing up that uh, – you know that personality and that image. Well, a very a team which had none of that besides him. And if you look at current 
pictures of him like as a coach you're like oh yeah this guy just looks like a coach if you look at him back in yeah. the day he looks like he looks like a mad scientist yes or like the kid that got really picked on in gym class well he looks like a wizard that's trying to dress in in muggle clothes you know you're <laughs> just like that this stuff doesn't go together you know he went to the university of phoenix version of hogwarts yes he has, his, he has his little ball bag. It's just an endless. It just has so much shit in there. You're just like, Expecto Patronum. Yes. And that's what he did for those Showtime Lakers. But he did it for like 12 years. He played like 12, 14 years in the NBA. That's why when I, I remember looking him up, I was just like, this is actually a great career that nobody looks at. 12 years in the NBA, four championships, and was immediately cut by the Knicks. So it's like... Well, when you think the Knicks, you fucked up. But when you think about it, you always you never associate like his entire career. No, you, you think of the McHale moment. Oh you yeah. You think of how weird he looked. Not that he actually also played basketball. Yes. Which <laughs> no, I know that sounds terrible, but like but come you're on. not wrong. When you brought up Kurt Rambis, I thought Kevin McHale almost murdered him. Yep. Yeah, those glasses. Yes, and his look. But you're like, oh yeah, he was a multiple multiple champion and was a huge piece in those in those championship teams. So oh, yes. Kurt Rambis, everybody. Kurt Rambis. 